0: gracious god we thank you so much for easter we thank you so much lord that we can come and hear your word bless us now as we come to listen to your word would you mold us and shape us according to to your will make us lord into the image of christ we ask all of this in jesus name amen please be seated Uh, so this morning what what we will be doing is um myself and Han Lee will be speaking for about 10 minutes each on a passage that has to do with Easter so if you have your bibles would you go to first corinthians 15 and we'll just look at two verses verse 3 and verse 4 that's first corinthians 15 verse 3 and verse 4 All right, this is what God's word says. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So now just those couple of verses there. So what Paul is doing here um, in these verses is he's summarizing what we call the gospel. And he's summarizing the gospel in the in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So if he wanted to summarize the gospel even more, he could say that the gospel is, is Jesus Christ. It's, it's the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And what he's done here is he's outlined three things that have to do with the person and work of Jesus Christ. Those th- three things are that he died for our sins, that he was buried, and that on the third day he was raised. Now, I want you to um, sort of entertain um, sort of my imagination for a little bit and think about this hypothetical. What if Jesus did not die for our sins? What if he wasn't buried? And what if he wasn't risen again? Now, one of the most terrifying things is if you you look at verse 3, it says there that Christ died for our sins. Now, if Jesus did not die for our sins... God's wrath, an unimaginable weight of wrath that you rightly deserve, will fall on you. If he did not die for our sins, every single sin that you have ever committed, you will have to answer for in the presence of the infinitely holy God. Could you imagine that? If Christ did not die for our sins, You would have that meeting with God who is holy and infinitely righteous. There is no darkness within him. He is totally good and totally great. And you have an appointment with him to answer for every single sin that has ever been committed. Not just the things that you've done physically with your body, but the words that you have said. Every single thought that you have imagined, you will have to answer for. If he wasn't buried... We wouldn't, we wouldn't have that assurance that he was truly dead. This, this burial really just puts a nail in the coffin um, to say that he actually died a true death. He was really dead. It, it, we don't have to be murky or blurry about it. This is actually a, a, an historical fact. And here's another terrifying thing. If, if he wasn't raised, let's say, let's say for a minute that he did die for our sins and that he was buried. But imagine that he wasn't raised. Imagine that there was no resurrection. Imagine that there was no Easter Sunday. What would that mean for us? Well, Paul says we would we would be Christians, as Christians, to be pitied above everyone else for trusting in someone who couldn't be raised from the dead and who claimed to have died for our sins. Not only that, we'd have no assurance that the death that Christ died was good enough. So you wouldn't have, you wouldn't be comfortable. You wouldn't be um, assured. You would have no hope. You'd have no confidence that His death and dying for our sins was actually successful. If He did not raise, if He if He's not resurrected, if there's no Easter Sunday, Easter Friday means nothing. If there's no if there's no Easter Sunday, Easter Friday means nothing. But here's another terrifying thing: if this isn't true. Look at what he says after he claims that Jesus Christ died for our sins. It says, in accordance with the scriptures. What does he say after he was raised again? He says, on the third day, in accordance with the scriptures. If Jesus did not die for our sins, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, showing that his sacrifice was acceptable, then that makes God a liar. If Easter Friday did not happen, if Easter Sunday Does not happen. God is a liar. Now, let's put away the imagination. Let's put away the hypothetical because that's all that that is. That's just imagination and hypotheticals. That's all I've given you so far. Imagine if. Well, let's put the if away and let's actually look at the facts. Let's actually look at what is true. This is what is true. I'll just read the two verses. Listen to this. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that, it was, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. We don't have to imagine what if. We don't have to think about hypotheticals. This actually happened. This is what is true, that Jesus died for the sins of those who trust in him and that he was raised again for our righteousness, that's what Romans 4 says. Those things, friends, are true, and God will never be found to be a liar. God lying is more impossible than anything else that we can imagine. God never lies. And here he has spoken the truth that in accordance with the scriptures, Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he was raised again. Now let me finish just with this. Look at the start of verse three. This is how Paul categorizes the gospel. This is how Paul categorizes what he's just delivered to us. He says, for I deliver to you as of first importance, as of first importance, Importance. Now think about your to-do list. I'm sure some of us get caught in that trap. Sometimes when we're sitting in church, sometimes we're listening to the, to the word of God and we think, Oh, I've got to make sure that I do the dishes as soon as I get home. Oh, Oh, actually, I can't forget this thing on my shopping list. Um, you know, we fall into those traps, right? We get distracted and we start thinking about things that are important. And you might have a to-do list that is important. You might have important things to do even after church today. And I know that people have also bucket lists. You know, there there are dreams and goals and aspirations that we have, things that we want to tick off, that that we want to do before before we die. And there are some important things on those lists. You know, perhaps you want to to help the needy. You want to go on on a mission or, or something like that, or you want to, You know, do this wonderful um, extreme thing that you see um, on on ESPN or something. But we have bucket lists. We have to-do lists. We have shopping lists. We have goals. We have dreams and aspirations. And all of those things, I'm sure, are important. But those things, although they are important, they belong on, on an important list. This thing here that Paul says is of first importance. It doesn't even belong on that list. It belongs on a separate list all by itself. This thing, friends, is in a category on its own. The gospel is all by itself in a category of importance. Everything else fails and falls in comparison to this. What you might have to do today after church very well might be important, but it is not as important as this. What you might have, As a 10-year life goal, friends, might be important, but it is not as important as this. This is the most pressing, the most important issue that every single human in the whole world has to deal with. Have you dealt with it? Have you taken care of the first and most important issue that you could ever deal with? Can you say Jesus died for my sins? Can you say he was buried for me? Can you say he was raised for me? You have to deal with this. It is more important than anything else that is in your head that will ever be in your life. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we thank you so much for this Easter weekend. And Lord, we thank you that it is just a great reminder that Easter is the most important weekend every weekend. Our Lord, help us to think of that, which is of the first importance. Remind us, Lord, that it is not only important on Easter weekend, it's important every single day of our lives. It is important for every single person we know. Lord, would you drill that deep into our minds and in our hearts? And Lord, help anyone here who has not dealt with the most important issue in their lives. Oh, Lord, speak to them today. Lord, would you grip their hearts? Would you pierce through? And Lord, would you bring them to a place where they might trust in Christ and have dealt with this most terrible problem of sin? Thank you so much for the person and work of Christ. Thank you so much, Lord, that it was not an afterthought. Thank you that it is in accordance with your scriptures. And we're so happy, Lord, and so joyful that you are a God who does not lie. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: And uh, we'll just look now in Acts chapter 2, because we're thinking about Easter, we're thinking about this such an important date in the calendar of the church. Uh, Well, why don't we go right to the very first public sermon in the history of the Christian church? Given by the Apostle Peter. This is in Acts chapter 2, and I'll just read the very end, the conclusion of his message there in Jerusalem, thousands of years ago. I'll read from verse 36, right? Acts chapter 2, verse 36. We'll read the end of that sermon. Oh, actually, I'll read from verse 32 so we can get the context leading up to 36. Now, Peter's there preaching to the crowds in Jerusalem. This Jesus God raised up, and of that, This Jesus whom you crucified. That's the way he ends his sermon. The very first public sermon of the Christian church. The Christian faith. And it's a very interesting one. Because he ends, you can see there in verse 36, with this total ultimate declaration. Let all the house of Israel, let everybody here in Jerusalem know for certain. That this man I'm talking about, Jesus of Nazareth. He is both Lord and Christ. You know, Christ, meaning the chosen one, the promised one from, from years before through all the Old Testament. He is the one and you are to know that for certain. And, you know, if you read the Bible, when you go through it, you'll see the Bible tell us many things in an ultimate sense. But right? The Bible doesn't say to us, "Hey, you know, I think this is a great idea or suggest I think this is the way you should live or this is what you should believe. What the Bible does when it, when it comes to us is it says, this is the truth. And you are to receive it. You are to believe it. You are to obey it and live according to it. That's the way that it comes to us as human beings. And that's a really quite a striking way for us to come into contact with the Bible. It's a way that many people today, they really detest that that's the way it comes to us. You know, it comes in an ultimate way. It says, this is the truth. And you are to know this for certain. And you are to change your life and live according to this truth. You are to obey and submit to it. Now, I guess my question as we think about this Easter Sunday is, what gives Peter that confidence or the right to say something like that to all the crowds of Jerusalem? What gives the Bible such a right to say it to every single one of you this morning in that ultimate way? Well, as I thought about this question, you know, it came to mind some things that happened in our lives recently. I'll give you, I'll give you three examples, and I, I hope you guys can relate to this. You know, recently before the government announced a, uh, a tax break for the petrol, you know, it's going up and up and up and shockingly over $3 a, a litre. It's crazy. We've never seen anything like it. And, you know, all the buzz on social media, or you talk to friends, they're saying, you know, the prices are rising because of political factors, you know, there with Russia and Ukraine and crude oil increasing, the price is rising. you got to go and fuel up tonight before it rises. I remember on one specific night, I can't remember the date, I saw all over social media and all over the news tonight at 10 o'clock. All the gas companies are raising their prices, so go and fuel up before then. And I remember driving past and seeing all the crowds backed up onto the street, and I thought, oh, I'm not doing that. You know, I'm not going to go and wait for half an hour. But, you know, that's what's happening, right? People say, you, you must change your schedule that very night to go and fuel up. Well, why? Because the price is raising. That's reality. And if you don't fuel up, well, you're going to pay more tomorrow. That's one example. Another one was, you know, um you think about mortgages and first home buyers and there's all this discussion about what is the bank of new zealand going to do with their you know the ocr rate the official uh, interest rate and we just saw recently they raised it by 0.5% from 1% to 1.5%. I'm not going to try and pretend like I know what that means. I just know that it went up. And what do all the people say? Well, if you can lock down a mortgage, do it sooner rather than later. Because as the rates go up, well, you're going to end up paying more if you wait and you you know you drag your feet. Again, you know, the reality is the cash rate is going up. You got to deal with it. So, you know, if you're planning to wait till three months later, maybe try and change your plans and do it now so that you can get a a better interest rate. And something closer to home for us recently, we discovered wasps flying around in our driveway. And uh, we we really hate pests. In fact, just last night, we were talking to a brother here who deals with pests and we felt so sorry for him. But, you know, there on the driveway, there were wasps flying around and I don't want to deal with that. You don't want to go around trying to think about how do I, you know, I was Googling how to deal with wasps. I was YouTubing how to how to kill the nest and things like that. And the thing is, I I hated thinking about it. I didn't want to think about it. If I could pretend it didn't exist, I would. But the fact is, it was on my driveway. It was my kids who were probably going to get stung, and then I'd have to deal with their crying. So I have to think about how to deal with this wasp problem. So, you know, I'm Googling, I go to Bunnings, I buy, you know, some poison, I'm spraying them. Again, there's an example there in real life of that's the reality. You have to deal with it or, or the consequences. Well, nobody's going to think that, oh, you shouldn't have suffered the consequences. There's a wasp in your driveway and you think, you know what? It's too hard for me to deal with. I'm just going to pretend they don't exist. When you get stung, whose fault is there? You know, we can't bury our heads in the sand and ignore reality. Those Those principles are there, aren't they? And you can think of many examples in life. Now, here's the thing about the Christian message, that which is of first importance, that which Peter preached. Look there in verse 32, the context. This Jesus God raised up, of that we all are witnesses. Peter is not giving a dissertation on a philosophy. Peter is not there at the start of the Christian faith thinking, this is so nice. Wouldn't you like to believe it? No, he's dealing with Facts. He's dealing with things that he and all the other disciples saw with their own eyes. Of that, we all are witnesses. Christ being crucified, we saw it. The whole crowds did. He was crucified publicly. And him being buried, we all saw it too. The woman tried to get to the tomb to try and uh, perfume his body out of grief and mourning. And on the third day, when the tomb stood empty and the stone was rolled away, and we were all confused. He appeared to us. We are all witnesses of that. The whole of the Bible, and especially in the New Testament, are eyewitness accounts to us of what they saw and experienced. And it's because Peter and the rest of the apostles saw with their own eyes the reality. They were to declare to all of Jerusalem, you are to know for certain that this Jesus, he is truly the one. He is both Lord and Christ. Because that's fact. You ever wondered, you know, the, the way that people use the word gospel to describe the message of Jesus. Gospel meaning good news. It is good and it is wonderful. But let us never forget it is news. And news is something that has happened and it comes down to you. And you are to respond to that news. The news is the interest rates are going up. That's going to affect my life. The news is the petrol price is going to go up. That's going to affect my life. You know, if somebody said to you, well, I really don't want to pay $3 a liter. I'm just going to pretend like it doesn't exist. I'm just going to think that it doesn't. I'm not going to believe in it. You know, the fact is the next day when they go to fill up their car, who's going to be paying three bucks a liter? It's going to be that guy because it's reality. And you cannot change reality no matter how much you hate it. And here's the message of the Bible. Here's the, the core message of Jesus. He has been crucified. He has been buried and he has been raised. And all of these things are not given to us as nice theories. And the, you know, the question being, would you like to believe it? No, the word is, this has happened. How will you respond to this news? If you respond and recognize the truth of it and you come and see Christ, you, you might go and do all the research. The truth stands up to scrutiny. The body still hasn't been found. The tomb remains empty to this day. How can the church spread from a ragtag bunch of 120 people persecuted by the state to flourishing all around the world? These questions, you can answer yourself. You can investigate yourself. But here is the, the fact. Jesus and the message of Jesus is based on the historical reality of his death, burial, and resurrection. And this Easter weekend, we're just commemorating the fact. We're not here because we like to believe it. We're here talking about it because it has happened. And what I want to say to every one of you is that You must face up to this news. Just like with the gas station, you might try and squash it away and think you don't want to think about it. The reality is you will have to face the price at the pump. And with Christ, many, many people, they do not want to recognize that he is Lord. Well, that means I'm not Lord. I have to listen to what he has to say. They don't want to deal with these things about who he is. They don't have to realize, well, if that's true, then certain ways that I've been living are wrong. I have to turn around from that and confess my wrongdoing. Yes, that's right. Well, they don't like to think that because of their pride. So what people do is they just say, well, I don't believe in it. I'll turn it away. Well, the thing is, every one of those people one day will meet Jesus face to face. But you see, at that moment, then it's too late. And they will have to face him and say to him, well, why didn't you believe in me? Why, I lived so much for you. I left my whole, the whole witness of the Bible, the whole witness of the church. I gave you Easter after Easter to be there in church, to hear my message. And yet you, you pushed it away because you selfishly wanted to live your life your way, enjoying all the ways that you wanted to do life, all the perverse things that you enjoyed. Well, you see, such a person will have to face the music. That's the term, isn't it? They'll have to face reality. Well, don't do that because that's the way to destruction. Now there is a chance for you to come to know the truth of Jesus, to come to meet the resurrected one, the one who can conquer death. And he now holds out his hand to every single one of you through this message. You can know the resurrected Lord today. How are you to experience the reality of who Jesus is? The Bible says, come to him in faith and in repentance turn away from from yourself thinking that you know everything you're the one who never makes any mistakes even your family and friends know that's not true come to christ seek him in the word and you will experience who he really is come to him in faith seek him then and he will be found that's what easter is really saying to us that this is the good news of jesus so let's pray now and ask the lord to help us to think on all of these things lord we thank you so much for our morning we thank you so much that you've gathered us here, each in our own individual contexts and backgrounds of life, wherever we are, all so different. And yet you've gathered us here as one to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of your son. Lord, help every single one of us to seek the truth that this is all historical reality. And therefore we must face up to it. Well, Lord, help us all not to uh, push it away, not to reject it, not to think that we could try and bury our heads in the sand. Help us, Lord, to come to know who Jesus is in truth. Help us to experience in our own hearts and souls the reality of this resurrected, glorious, and powerful Savior who is able to transform the worst of sinners, the weakest of people. Help us to experience him in his love. Help us all of these things, Lord, and uh, help us throughout this Easter to, to remember what has happened those thousands of years ago and help us through this message to come to know you in truth. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.